0: Welcome to I Thought the Lore, the podcast where we examine a paranormal tale and try to figure out why people still talk about it today, where we don't care about true or false. We're only interested in how or why some stories linger in the backs of our minds while others disappear completely. In the end, we'll try to figure out if the lore won or if the
1: lore lost. We're your hosts, Ben McDewey and Rico Sweets from the Mean Streets. We're here to bring that magical tale to your teeny tiny tingly ears. What did you do? Me? What do you mean? You
0: set me up on a date with her? Dude, how was I supposed to know there was a demon horsewoman, let alone Devilina's sister? Of all things!
1: That's not just any devil horsewoman up there. Don't you know where we are? Duh, the woods. We're in the damn Pine Barrens in New Jersey. Oh, beans. Thought you said you set me up with a normal human. I thought she was a normal human. Your perception of normal is worse than mine. Come on, over
0: here, we got to get under some cover. She's taking flight. (sighs) Ha ha, it's over Anakin. I have the high ground. Lol.
1: Now is not the time for that. And if you're gonna make that comparison, keep in mind,
0: we're Anakin in this situation. This is bad. This is really bad. You're telling me. We've ditched the mobile command center, walked miles into the woods, I'm pretty sure that's poison ivy over there, and they fly now. Yeah, that's all bad, but also the devil. Who? We lost Devilina all the way back in Kansas. No way she's finding us here. Besides, she only appears on Earth twice a year, and it's nowhere near the spring equinox. Halloween is a few weeks past, all we have to do is make sure to stay out of India and Kansas twice a year and we're golden.
1: Not Devilina.
0: Oh, got ya. We're in the woods in New Jersey. In New Jersey. You're afraid that we're going to run into some mobsters dumping bodies. But, if we can get to jump on them, we can take their car.
1: No, not the regular devil and not mobsters. This devil, the flying horse lady up there, she's the Jersey devil. And she doesn't just appear twice a year either. This devil walks the earth all year long. We have to find some place to hold up.
0: Why not just go back to the camp? She'd never think to look for us there.
1: No way, man. We have to get as far away from there as we can and find some wheels. Let's go this way. There must
0: be something out here. An old cabin or something where we can hide. Said Jersey Devil? Doesn't look like much of a devil to me. Did you date this one too? No, I didn't date this one too. It was just an online thing.
1: We never met up. It was just pictures and stuff. What? So you were sexting with this
0: thing? Well... Oh, dude. OMG. Just listen and I'll tell you the story. I don't want to hear about you sexy with the horse lady. No, not that.
1: I don't kiss and tell. Or sex and tell. I'm a classy guy. Anyway, no. I want to tell you about the legend of the Jersey Devil. The legend of the Jersey Devil starts long, long ago. In a galaxy far, far away. Seriously? No, even longer than that, Montfrere. A long time ago. Back in 1735, something happened in these woods near Leeds Point, and the Jersey Devil was born. Ooh, something happened. That's all you got? Well, there's a few different origins. Like, one says a local gypsy was begging for food from a young lady. The lady refused, so the gypsy placed a curse on her. When the lady became pregnant, everything seemed to be going well, but when she gave birth, the result of the gypsy's curse was revealed. The young lady gave birth to a hideously deformed demon monstrosity, the Jersey Devil. Another version of that origin claims that a young woman had fallen in love with a British soldier during the time of the American Revolution. The entire town put a curse on the woman, and when the couple's baby was born, it was the Jersey Devil.
0: Now, pretending for a moment that a local gypsy or, quote, an entire town had the ability to curse a woman's pregnancy so effectively, this is what? 1730s? We're not that far removed from that gong show in Salem about 40 years earlier. Seems a pretty ballsy move considering people were hung for way less.
1: Well, I mean, we're out in the woods, who's going to know, right? This is true. But the most popular story is this one. According to an article on weirdnj.com or weirdnewjersey.com. New Jersey. The Leeds family lived in the Pine Barrens and were well known for their large families. Jane Leeds, more commonly known as Mother Leeds, was married to a drunkard, and together they had 12 children. Now, life was hard. Having a drunkard for a husband, who barely provided for the two of them, plus a dozen children to look after on top of it, really took its toll on Mother Leeds. And when she found out she was pregnant with her 13th child, she cried out in frustration, Let this one be the devil! Well, it turns out
0: she got her quote-unquote wish. I mean, F around and find out, am I right? Even then, why make more problems for yourself, Jane? Mr. Leeds is already a useless drunk, so not really sure what you're gaining and wishing for something that really isn't punishing him at all.
1: <laughs> now, the night Mother Leeds went into labor was dark and stormy, suitably atmospheric. <laughs> Boom, crash, thunder, whatnots, things, that's probably that's the, the sound of rain. Yes, yes. Mother Leeds and the midwives were in the bedroom while her husband and the other 12 children were crowded into the next room awaiting the birth of their newest family member. (laughs) How big or small was this house? That's a good question. The birth was an easy one and went off without a hitch. I'm surprised that baby didn't fall out. The 13th child appeared to be healthy and normal, but as Mother Leeds took the baby in her arms, something terrible began to happen. The baby began to change. Ooh. Instead of crying, the baby shrieked. Its hands contorted into monstrous claws with giant, razor-sharp nails. Its legs began to twist into goat-like legs, and its feet became cloven hooves. It sprouted a tail with barbs on the end. Bat wings grew from its back, and its face contorted from the face of a chubby newborn into an elongated, horse-like monstrosity with fiery, blazing eyes. Horns, or some versions of the story say antlers, sprouted from its head, and in minutes the creature grew to a gigantic size.
0: I have to say, I feel like all things considered, that probably could have gone a lot worse. I mean, at least it waited till it got outside to do all that. Yeah, glad it didn't ant-man the heck out of her, right? Exactly.
1: Now, one version of the story says the beast attacked the midwives and its own mother, killing some of them as they screamed in terror. Now Mother Leeds' husband and children cowered in the next room, not knowing what was happening, but they soon found out. The beast smashed its way through the door and attacked them too. It killed Mr. Leeds and several of the children in suitably gory and disgusting ways. I'm sure there were some missing limbs, and parts were probably eaten. I bet it kicked one of the boys in the nuts, and for good measure, probably wet-willied at least one of them.
0: How quickly do you think those twelve kids became twelve possible human shields for Father of the Year out there?
1: Oh yeah. Now, the survivors say the beast flew into the fireplace and exploded up through the chimney, showering the area with stones. It escaped into the stormy night and into the depths of Pine Barrens, where it still lives to this day, stalking and attacking those foolish enough to enter its woods.
0: I love that despite being more than capable of dummying a solid wooden door... Devil Baby chose the most impractical exit from the house it could find. Doors, windows, or a hole in the wall would not do for this thing. No, it had to squeeze its body out of the tiniest opening it could find. I bet if they had running water, it would have used the toilet instead. Well, Rico Man, I've got to say, it sounds like your kind of woman.
1: Yeah, sexy. But for the longest time,
0: I didn't think it existed. I thought it was all made up. With the things that we've seen... Over the years, and the things that you've dated over those same years, how could you have ever doubted its existence? Because of one man. Who? Benjamin Franklin. Uh, come again? Forget I said that. I mean, what? Benjamin Franklin. As in, one of the founding fathers of the U.S., Benjamin Franklin. The guy that signed the Declaration of Independence, Benjamin Franklin. And occasional member of the Hellfire Club. The guy with the kite and the key and the lightning. The guy on the $100 bill.
1: Yeah, that's the guy. And also, to add to all those lists of accomplishments, while he was the ambassador to France, he also wrote an essay called A Letter to the Royal Academy About Farting, also known as Fart Proudly. What? It was satirical and suggested that a study should be done to improve
0: the odor of human farts. And farting somehow made you believe that Jersey Devil didn't exist? No. What are we even talking about? It was his almanacs that convinced me. Again, what? He was a publisher of almanacs. Would you get to the point before your non-fictional sexing partner finds us and rips us limb from limb, please?
1: Okay, so our story starts with the real Leeds family. See, before the 1900s, the Jersey Devil was referred to as the Leeds Devil, either because the tales originated in the town of Leeds Point, or because the Leeds family who lived there was the source of the devil. Way back before there was a Jersey Devil, no legend, no nothing, Daniel Leeds and his family were prominent in the southern New Jersey area. He was a land surveyor and loyal to the British crown. Now, because of this, he was able to acquire land in the Egg Harbor area, which was in the Pine Barrens. Now, through the years, the land was inherited by Daniel's sons and eventually became known as Leeds Point and that's where the legend of the Jersey Devil started and where
0: it's most associated with. Oh, Egg Harbor. I heard there was an animal sanctuary in there, too, you know, to prevent poaching. <whistles> Shut up. Getting back to the
1: story, this was Quaker territory. The Christian religion, not the Oats. Daniel Leeds was a Quaker and also published an Almanac. See the connection? Daniel Leeds had been married a couple of times. His third wife had given birth to nine children, and another family member down the line, Deborah Leeds, had apparently given birth to 12. The idea of Mother Leeds from the Jersey Devil legend decades later probably came from an amalgamation of these two
0: people. So multiple marriages and nine kids? You could say our boy was really sowing his wild... Don't! Okay. But he was also a drunkard, and how does any of this get us to scary Bradshaw up there?
1: Well, I don't know if he was actually the drunkard, but I'm sure the legends portrayed him as becoming a drunkard in the story. Daniel Leeds was a very prominent Quaker in the area, but in 1687, he included astrological symbols and writings in the almanacs that he published. The other Quakers in the area did not like this one bit. They said the astrology was pagan and blasphemous, and the almanacs were censored or outright destroyed by the local Quakers.
0: Already sowing the seeds of bad blood.
1: But Daniel wasn't taking that sitting down. He doubled down on the Christian astrology in his almanacs, and included even more esoteric Christian writings. He also became fascinated with Christian mysticism, cosmology, demonology, Angelology, which apparently was a thing, and natural magic.
0: So definitely some grains of truth so far with our Quaker already. Oh
1: my god. Okay. Are you finished? Barley. Oh Jesus. Sorry, Jesus. It's okay. You don't even need- I forgive you. Now the Quaker leaders in the area of New Jersey, Philadelphia, and Pennsylvania organized a yearly meeting, and at one of these, right around 1690, they dubbed Daniel Leeds a heretic. Now, by this time, he'd been ostracized by the Quaker community, and he'd decided, if they don't want me, you
0: go to hell.
1: Not an actual quote, but I imagine his sentiment was pretty much in line with that. So, Leeds converted to Anglicanism, and published an anti-Quaker pamphlet or two, criticizing the religion, and claimed that they opposed the monarchy. Leeds won favor with the British royal governor, Lord Cornbury, who was already disliked by the local Quaker communities. In retaliation, the Quakers published their own pamphlet in 1700 in response to the Leeds one and called him evil and Satan's harbinger and claimed that he worked for the devil. In 1716, Daniel's son Tyson comes into the story and he inherits his father's almanac business and continued to publish the same way his father did with the astrological content. He also included the Leeds family crest on the editor's page. This crest depicted a wyvern. A bat-winged dragon, which is generally similar to the depiction of the Jersey Devil. Jersey Devil having an elongated head, dragons have an elongated head, long neck, teeny tiny little T-Rex arms, or no arms at all because its wings are actually its arms that the leathery wingy things have grown through like a bat. (sighs) Backwards, kneed legs, and a big spiked tail. You can kind of see visually where there's the representation of the Jersey Devil to do with the Leeds family. But you can also see that the local community is now vilifying this guy and calling him the devil. So you've got all these little connections going in there, right? Now, this time period is when Benjamin Franklin enters the story. Hello there. Ben Franklin was also publishing an almanac at the time, and when Tyson took over the Leeds family business, he and Franklin became competitors. And apparently, it was an intense competition. In 1733. Old Benny Boy decided to use astrology in his almanacs too, but in a satirical way. He used it to predict the death of Tyson
0: Leeds in October of that year. Oh, that's very funny. Tyson takes over the family business in 1716. Yep. Is there some kind of math that I can math that would tell me how old Tyson would have been when he took this business over? No idea. For Ben Franklin to become a competitor of this person, one of two things will happen. Ben Franklin has either unwittingly become a competitor to a child (laughs) or an adult man. Ben Franklin proceeds to use his almanac to, quote unquote, satirically predict the death of a child or of an adult man. I know life was different back then. I know people, kids, young people, young adults started... Working much earlier than they would today. And I'm curious to know how old Tyson Leeds was when Ben Franklin predicted his demise, even in a joking sort of manner.
1: For absolutely no reason, based on absolutely nothing, I'm going to say 31 years old.
0: Okay. No, that makes sense. For some reason, just with the numbers that have been kind of coming out through the story, I took like the date of 1700, kind of stuck. And then I took 1716 in my head. Tyson took over and think, okay, well, this is a 16-year-old kid running this almanac business, Benjamin Franklin basically telling everyone that this 16-year-old kid is going to die. Well, remember,
1: Daniel Leeds was a very prominent guy in 1687. Uh, which is when he started including the astrological symbols in his writing. So you Mm -hmm. got to figure in 1687, he started doing this. His whole family kind of went through this thing with the Quakers turning on them. And then you get to 1716 when Tyson takes over. Mm -hmm. I can imagine Tyson was probably... Old enough. Old enough. Well, apprenticing with his father. Yeah. For a while. And if he's the one who inherited it, he must have, I would have said, been in his... 20s or 30s, had some years and under his belt doing this with his father to the point that his father decided he was old enough and smart enough at this business to be able to take over for Okay. So, Benjamin Franklin predicts his death. <laughs> of course, it was meant to be a joke and a way to boost sales, but Tyson became offended. And published a response calling Big Bad Benny a fool and a liar. Oh,
0: He's just being a jerk. Damn!
1: Right. You take that! Now, Franklin decided he'd take it a step further, because Benjamin Franklin was known to have a funny side and a sense of humor. And he published his own response to Leeds, and in it, he claimed that not only was his prediction about the death of Leeds in October correct, but this was now Tyson's ghost who was writing the Leeds Almanac, and that he had come back from the grave to haunt
0: Franklin. I'm the ghost of the most, babe.
1: (laughs) Franklin even continued to refer to Leeds as a ghost after the man actually died in
0: 1738. All of this predating the internet kind of makes the back and forth between Tyson and Franklin, you know, kind of this colonial beef and uh, the production of some of History's first diss tracks.
1: Now, Brian Regal, author of The Jersey Devil, The Real Story, said this. During the pre-revolutionary period, the Leeds family, who called the Pine Barrens home, soured its relationship with the Quaker majority. The Quakers saw no hurry to give their former fellow religionist an easy time in circles of gossip. His wives had all died, as had several of his children. His son Tyson stood accused by Benjamin Franklin of being a ghost, The family crest had a winged dragon on it. In a time when thoughts of independence were being born, these issues made the Leeds family political and religious monsters. From all this, over time, the legend of the Leeds Devil was born. References to the Jersey Devil do not appear in newspapers or in other printed material until the early, early 20th century. The first major flap for the Jersey Devil came in 1909, and it's from these sightings that the popular image of the creature, bat-like wings, horse head, claws, and general air of a dragon, became standardized. So, as you can see, all of these pieces are there for the legend to be born. Even the other shorter versions of the story, about the girl being cursed because she was in love with a British soldier during the Revolution, sort of almost fits in with it in a very basic way. By the late 1700s, or the early 1800s, the Leeds Devil was already an established legend in southern New Jersey, starting as oral tales, but eventually making their way into publications, all seemingly born out of rumors and gossip aimed at a once-prominent family in the community. At this point, it was so widely known and believed that in 1740, a priest was brought in to exorcise the Pine Barrens, to rid the place of the monster the whole Pine Barrens. Everything. It's a big area. And apparently it didn't work because even today people report sightings of the Jersey Devil or the Leeds Devil. In 1859, the Atlantic Monthly published a story about the legend of the Leeds Devil. Some people claim that it wasn't until the 20th century that It appears in print, but they called it the Leeds Devil, and in 1859, there was a story about it. And also in 1887, a newspaper published alleged sightings of a winged creature they called the Devil of Leeds. Over the decades, posses had even been formed to apprehend the devil. With bounties put on it for capture, dead or alive, one bounty reached as much as
0: $10,000. Hey, fun fact. Jonathan Google tells me that 10 grand in the 1800s would be around 245,000 in today's money. Could you imagine the mobile command center we could get with that?
1: Now, unlike some of the other urban legends we've mentioned who can't be bothered to show their faces, I'm looking at you built men. The Jersey Devil actually has the class and integrity to make an appearance here and there. Joseph Bonaparte, Napoleon's older brother, claimed that he saw the Jersey Devil in 1812 while hunting near his estate in Bordentown, New Jersey.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, if your younger brother is taking over the majority of Europe, and you're the older brother no one's heard of, I would imagine you're going to say some pretty wacky things to try and get some attention. Oh, yeah. He was probably making up stuff all the time. I could just see the, the Bonaparte family gather around the table for Christmas dinner. Oh, Joseph, Napoleon, you know, uh, what have you boys been up to this year? Oh, mama, I have had many military victories, and I am going to conquer the world. Uh, oh, that's lovely. And uh, Joseph, meanwhile, Joseph's just like, me, 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 conquer the world. Uh, look at me. My name's Napoleon. Hey, Napoleon, do you want me to get anything off the top of the fridge for you?
1: <laughs> uh, much like me, Napoleon has never seen the top of his own fridge. But that's not what we're here talking about. We're talking about the Jersey Devil, <laughs> even though I spent the last 10 minutes talking about Benjamin Franklin. It's true. In January of 1909, newspapers published hundreds of eyewitness reports from people claiming to have seen the Jersey Devil in South Jersey and the Philadelphia area. Reports claim it attacked a trolley in Haddon Heights and a social club in Camden. Police in Camden and Bristol reported shot at the creature, but it had no effect Strange tracks in the snow resembling cloven hooves made by a bipedal creature were seen, and apparently tracker dogs refused to follow them. Reports started popping up as far away as Delaware and Maryland. Panic caused by the newspaper reports saw schools close, people refusing to go to work. Now, I seem to remember something similar in our coverage of the Chupacabra. There were even a few claims of animals drained of blood and cattle mutilations dealing with the Jersey Devil as well. I wonder how closely related they are.
0: Be an interesting question. Oh, did I date everybody in the same family? I mean, you're thorough, if nothing else. I don't know if that's something to brag about, or I should probably keep to myself. And, much like our chooper-duper, I feel it necessary here to mention that for all the terror and panic that this quote-unquote demonic creature inspired, other than being kind of a jerk, there have been no reported human casualties at the hands or claws of this thing. That's because I keep on getting away.
1: But I agree with you. I mean, this thing is evil. It's the devil. Other than people seeing something flying around, you know, cloven hoof prints by a quote-unquote bipedal creature, what's that really going to do? There were no follow-ups about everywhere that it walked, plants refused to grow or (laughs) smelled of sulfur and urine or something like that. I don't know. There's been no real side effects, except apparently some people are like, oh. There was a spooky thing back there.
0: Yeah, that's it. You know, you don't have any kind of a body count. Okay, one guy changing a tire got attacked. but Said he got attacked. Said he got attacked. He lived. Jersey Devil just sort of runs up, kind of shoulder checks him. He seems to be more of an annoyance than anything.
1: Yeah, footprints everywhere. He attacked a trolley. I don't know <laughs> what he did to the trolley. Maybe he clawed it up. A social club, maybe. He was just a really drunk guy in a big trench coat who wanted in, and they're like, oh, no, 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 no. You are not a member of the social club. You can't get in and he pounded on the windows. Yep. yelled something about their devils and they misinterpreted
0: it. Well, even like previous episode we did about the goat men. Again, no matter who you were or what your circumstances were, whether it was through science or Satan, as soon as you got turned into a goat, you just had this weird vendetta against motorized vehicles and you just attacked everyone you saw. That is another good point that
1: you made. I didn't even make that connection. Cars, trolleys. goat men. Yep. Hate
0: motorized devices yep even if you owned one as a person as soon as you have horns spread out of your head now you're you're going at that thing just both fists oh my god i've got
1: horns and wings now what am i gonna do fuck cars (laughs) fuck all of them so hard and i don't mean it that way (laughs) i mean to hell with cars i'm going to fight a car that's what i mean just to be clear Throughout the decades, there have been other sightings and a few hoaxes as well. People claim to have found its corpse on more than one occasion, and there have been more than a few pictures taken of the monster. But I bet all you lore breakers out there are wondering, Rico, what about the 1970s? All of these legends come back to the 1970s somehow. Well, I've got a little something for you too. It's not much, but it at least references the 1970s. In 1972... Mary Ritzer Christensen, told Weird New Jersey that she was driving from Blackwood to Glassboro in Jersey, said she saw a creature with thick haunches like a goat and a woolly head cross the road about 25 feet behind her car. It was taller than the average man.
0: Now, I'm not going to dispute what our good friend Mary here is saying, but you're talking about seeing something 25 feet behind a moving vehicle. So you're seeing it in the mirrors, I guess, which isn't a super detailed look to get at something. If you're driving, you're moving, it's moving, you're looking in a tiny mirror, you know, it could have been anything.
1: Well, maybe there was an average man standing there as well. And
0: it walked past him. That's true. Also, it just sounds like she saw the goat man. It's crossing the road, it's not flying, which is what most people know this thing to do. And I don't know how far Maryland is from New Jersey, but I do feel like there is some definite goat man crossover here. Well, a few minutes back up, when we were
1: talking about the Jersey Devil in 1909 causing such a huge, huge uproar and kids staying home from school and people refusing to go to work, word of that spread all the way out to Maryland. So maybe the Jersey Devil gets around, and
0: occasionally its wings get tired, and it's got to walk. It could be that, yeah, the Jersey Devil and the Goat Man. what if these wings are retractable or... Not always present. I bet you're thinking
1: all of these legends and all of these sightings are going to have taken place years and years ago. You'd be wrong or only partially correct because I have one as recent as 2013. That is recent. Fairly
0: recent. A decade now, but we won't think about that.
1: Only 10 years. In the grand scheme of things, when you're talking about sightings of cryptids and all that kind of stuff, 10 years is a drop in the bucket. It's a grain of sand on a beach. It may as well have happened yesterday. 2013, Lori Winkleman says that one night her and her children had been out to play in the snow. As they were about to head inside, one of her sons became terrified and speechless, pointing into the trees above them at a giant black creature that was perched there. Now, As the thing swooped down on them, she grabbed her son and ran for the house. She says the thing swooped over them and landed on the roof and she could hear it running across the roof back towards the door in the same direction that her and her child were heading for. Now, they must have got in okay because her husband found tracks of a bipedal creature the next day on the roof that could not be identified by local wildlife officials or his friend
0: who was an avid hunter. Yeah, not saying, just saying the language in this description everything to me sounds very bird-like like Like you have a large shape perched in a tree it's doing a lot of swooping it's walking on two legs this is an account of something that happened at night so right off the bat you have a perching swooping shape that can't really be seen except perhaps in silhouette What's the bird that everyone attributes to Mothman sightings? Is it the some kind of a, uh, a crane? Yeah, sand crane or some kind of very large bird like this thing would have a huge,
1: huge wingspan. Huge right? wingspan. Yeah. I can't remember what type of crane it is, but is that's one of the going theories. Sandhill yeah.
0: crane, I think? It might be,
1: yeah. Yeah. Now I hear you saying, but Rico, 2013, you may say that's just a grain of sand on a beach. May as well have been yesterday. It's a drop in the bucket. But I say to you, there is another sighting in 2015. 2015. 2015. Less than a decade ago. Less than a sand grain on a beach. Less than yesterday. More like this morning. They may have even had cameras in 2015. They might have. And in fact, I can show you a photo of what this man took. Now, let me tell you the story first. David Black of New Jersey claims to have caught the creature on film back in 2015, as I said. He claims that he was on his way home from work and thought he saw a llama running around, but when he pulled out his camera to film it, the thing sprouted wings and took off in the sky. Now, he claims that his grandfather even saw the creature in the 50s, and to him, it's no surprise that because of that connection, it has visited him as well.
0: Oh, dear God, here we go.
1: Other witnesses also claim to have seen the Jersey Devil on the same night in 2015 as David. And I will send you a picture right now if you would like to look at that
0: and possibly describe what you see. Okay, I'm looking at the picture. <laughs> dear God, what an... Um, all right, let me see what I can do here to describe this for the lorebreakers at large. <sighs> Let's say someone was to take a toy, not even a toy, take some sort of stuffed, perhaps taxidermy goat, okay? Let's say that someone then glued wings to it and threw it into the air as hard as they could so that you have something with very static arms and legs. Like, I realize this is a photo. But even looking at the photo, you can tell that what's in the photo is not moving. Nothing is blurred. By that, I mean everything is blurred. But it's not like the wings are moving. It's not like the arms or the legs are moving. It's sort of like someone hung a taxidermy goat with wings on it, perhaps from a tree. Or maybe it got launched from a trebuchet or something. It's just sort of this... Goat-shaped blur. It's uh, not really dynamic. It's not really doing anything. The back legs look longer than the front legs. Well, it's also on an
1: angle. I mean, she's flying upwards. You gotta point upwards if you're gonna fly
0: upwards. It's a strange picture. It is.
1: I am going to concur. It looks like somebody stapled some fabric wings onto a taxidermied goat and tossed it in the air and somebody else took a photo of
0: it. Yeah, the wings look fluffy. They look feathered. They don't look bat-like.
1: They look almost like they came off of a plush toy.
0: Yes. Have you seen the video of it flying? No. I feel like this is something that I should see. Here's speak. a still from the video. Oh. How does that, that look? Come on. No. 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 You can even see its little horns.
1: Yeah, okay. Granted, it looks like somebody drew something on a piece of film, but... I,
0: I also want to state for the record that our friend david here the devil whisperer with the (laughs) family legacy of being spiritually connected to this thing he said he thought he saw a llama he said he thought it was a llama and when he pulled
1: out his phone to take a photo of it it sprouted wings and flew off into
0: the sky this thing is about as far from a llama as it is from a Jersey devil. Even if you took the wings off of it, not a llama. Nowhere near a llama.
1: That thing is definitely a goat with wings.
0: I'm pretty sure llamas don't have horns.
1: Llamas also have much longer necks than that.
0: And longer legs? Yeah. Unless he thought he saw some kind of like dwarf pygmy llama. Their heads are different shaped. Their necks are longer. (sighs) David, what are you doing, David? Here is a map of reported.
1: Jersey Devil sightings. It was born close to Atlantic City. Okay. Maybe not exactly Sin City like Las Vegas is, but they got some gambling that's pretty sinful. Makes sense that a devil would come from there. Interesting. So as you can see from that video, Ben, not Benjamin Franklin, Ben McDewey. (laughs) Are you telling me that that is not astounding footage? Of the Jersey Devil. I mean, the person who
0: filmed it, even at the end, went as though they were shocked. I will give the filmer of that video full marks for not just belching a torrent of foul language, as most of those videos often have. So that was nice. I got to clap it out for that. I'm watching that clip. And the image you would get from the way it's described in the stories and in the media, as even our friend David here, with his supernatural connection to the Jersey Devil, says that it sprouts wings and just takes off into the sky. Yes. And it doesn't even fly straight up. It flies on an arc. Like, it can't even clear the treetops. But there is absolutely nothing majestic or awe-inspiring or breathtaking about seeing this powerful creature stride into the night sky it was kind of sad actually
1: also much like its cousin the owl it made absolutely no sound and there was sound to the video yep because we heard the guy
0: gasp and you can hear the crickets you can hear the trees and the wind and everything
1: but the jersey devil made no sound nope because it's the devil In the video, its wings looked a little different, but the second video that I showed you apparently was from people on the exact same night in 2015. So when David saw the Jersey Devil take off, somebody else further along caught it mid-flight. And you could see it going Mm -hmm.
0: through the trees. Incredible. All I'm saying. It was something. Yeah. Oh, it was something. I'm actually kind of getting sad at the thought of dying to this thing. Well, I mean in real life it's a little more terrifying than what we see in <laughs> the video,
1: okay? Now, reported sightings still come into this day. They're not all on YouTube, but to this day there's people who still say that they see it. But before we give our conclusions, I would like to mention one other thing. The Lenape, the indigenous people who originally lived in the northeastern woodland areas of the US and Canada, believed the Pine Barrens was home to a spirit called the Imsing, or M apostrophe S I N G. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. I apologize if I'm not. But the Msing was described as sometimes taking the form of a deer-like creature with leathery wings. That's cool. And what was in that video you just saw? Not that. <laughs> so, Ben, it's that time. Time to ask the question of the day the question which burns in our souls, like something sometimes burns when you get a flare-up, the whole reason we're here, do you believe in the case of the Jersey Devil, does the lore win or does the lore lose?
0: If you're like me and knew little to nothing about this story beyond the whole alleged 13th baby becomes a screaming horse that goes ham on his entire family, You can chalk it up to another of those old-timey tales that's probably not true, but crazy to think about, given the enduring tales of something rumored to still prowl the surrounding woods. To learn that there was a whole other backstory that combined religion, politics, and fame in a weird form of pre-internet social media. From what I know about that time period in history, people were bored out of their skulls, and it's a big part of both why they spread so much BS about each other like being a witch, for example, and why they wrote everything down. You have these two Leeds fellas who, through their humble printing operation, both pursue a career in printing almanacs, but also broadcasting their hot takes about the same religious group they fell out of favor with over said almanacs. Then you have Ben Franklin, who suddenly takes notice of these almanacs and starts to basically troll the Leeds family just for a larf, Honestly, you could take these pamphlets and articles and easily swap them out for Twitter posts and retweets. It's, it's the timelessness of this story that does it for me. The spirit of history repeating itself that has the lore win here for me. Even going above and beyond the legacy of songs and sports teams that still bear the name Jersey Devil. It's the fact you could take the beats of this story, and with very little updating, very easily transplant it into... Modern internet myth.
1: Now, I know we say in our conclusion that it's not whether the story is true or not that matters. And in this case, I feel the story definitely isn't true. But having said that, I think the lore wins. First of all, look at how it's persisted over the years. And we aren't just talking about years, we're talking about decades and decades and decades. This story has been around since the 1700s orally and then in print, since the 1800s. It's crazy that it's persisted that long. Not only did it seem to start as slander and rumors meant to malign a family that the locals hated, it spread around like playground whispers, the way a rumor will start between a few people and by the end of the day everybody knows about it, but it's become a very different story than what started. Add in a popular figure from the time, getting in on it, to add some flavor and spread it much further than it might have ever gone, but it just stayed with the Quakers, and then look at the way it's worked itself into the consciousness of the entire state and beyond the state. Not only has it been the name of several sports teams, as you mentioned, including two hockey teams, Jersey Devils from the EHL from 64 to 73, and then the Jersey Devils in the NHL from 82 up till now, it's also appeared or been referenced in movies, TV shows, music, comics, and video games. This lady has gotten around and is known globally at this point. Sure, the reported sightings may have actually been of sandhill cranes that people just mistook for an unknown creature or passed on as an unknown creature just to have a good story to tell some friends, but it has persisted regardless. You can see where all of the elements were pulled from with this story of the Leeds family, and it's easy to imagine how those elements morphed into what is the Jersey Devil now. Also, the flying beast that's been hunting us and probably slaughtered everybody back at that camp there. And the fact that her and I shared some intimate photos with each other.
0: Oh my god. Wait, how did that thing even use a phone with those tiny little T-Rex arms and claws?
1: Okay, she, not it... And it has a very talented tail. That's all I'll say. But dude, we
0: have to get out of here. Any idea what direction we can go to get back to the Winnebake Mobile Command Unit? And no. No idea. We're all turned around. And I'm starting to think mobsters are a myth too. You know, we haven't seen a single one this whole time. Come on. Let me, let me try something here. Madman Mars!
1: Madman Mars? Madman Mars? Ah, well, he was pretty lame, but I thought it was worth a shot. Anyway, man, we're screwed. We are so screwed. I have no idea how we're going to get out of this one, old buddy.
0: It's almost like we need to find a way to fight fire with fire somehow. Wait, fire? That's it. Help me find some stuff to burn. I have an idea. It's crazy. Maybe just crazy enough to work. If ever there was a need for a spirit guide, it's right now. Let's have a seat. Let's raise a glass and the solution will present itself. Welcome
1: to The Spirit Guide, the portion of the show where we describe what we're drinking. Today's offering is Writer's Tears Double Oak. What? Writer's Tears? Dude, that's Writer's Tears. Oh, okay, whatever. Writer's Tears Double Oak an exceptional expression created using two oaks and two styles of premium Irish whiskey, aged in American oak bourbon barrels from Kentucky and French oak cognac casks from the cognac region in France. This is a unique marriage of single pot still and single malt Irish whiskey. Dashes of sweet vanilla marry with notes of cinnamon before opening up to the depths of plum and poached pear pressed grapes, and citrus zest to make way for chocolate undertones and lingering spice.
0: Okay, sure, demonic sea biscuit might be circling overhead, but all things considered, we're in the woods, baby. We're in logging territory. I happen to know there are a buttload of stories about cryptids that big shirtless six-pack having greasy, sweaty, oiled it up Bearded lumberjacks. Used to swap around fires just like this one. Oh yeah. So you're saying if we talk about the big bearded beefy oil-up lumberjacks, they'll come and help us. Yeah. Oh wait, no, 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 no. Movies and pop culture love to say that if you know a demon's name, you have power over them. So maybe if we call the cryptids by name, it'll work the same way and we can summon them to help us.
1: Okay, so what do we do? How do we summon the cryptids or ask
0: them for help? Well, Rico, man, how much do you know about the squaw? Maybe the the gumbaroo? What about the hodag?
1: And we're doomed. Can our intrepid heroes survive the Jersey Devil? Will calling on the woodland cryptids for help be their salvation? find out in the thrilling conclusion of Season 1 of
0: I Fought the Lore. What about the people at home? They want to find us. Where can they do that? They can find us on our social medias.
1: You can find us at x, formerly Twitter, at IFTLpod, Instagram, IFTL.pod, Facebook, I Fought the Lore, all one word, space pod, or... If you'd like to submit a story yourself to be read on the air, possibly, I fought the lore at gmail.com. Yeah, if you have some lore you want us to fight, drop us a line. Also, I'd like to add that we are
0: hosted on ACAST.